Hello, comrades and friends. Today's special general election reaction episode of the Highlands Bunker podcast is sponsored by my friend Greg and Two Stones Brewery. A fresh six-pack of Delco Lager appeared today for utilization on tonight's recording. So thank you, Greg. Thank you, Two Stones. Whatever they don't drink, they can. Uh, The political system constructed and maintained with the express written benefit Uh, Of the beautiful boaters, uh, licensed corporate agents, Palm Beach cosmetic dentists, and owners of mega car dealerships, has inexplicably produced an unsatisfying, embarrassing non-result for President of the United States. Uh, As Mr. Jess Skarain, Bill Martin said today on Twitter, uh, what's the opposite of a mandate? Um, There's probably a lot of lessons to be learned from all of this, uh, and I think uh, our guest this evening may have some idea about what they could be. Uh, first, uh, returning uh, to the podcast, uh, a, a student, an activist, uh, and a Jess campaign uh, veteran, Vasu Jayanti. Vasu, hello. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. yeah, I'm very happy to see you. Um, and also, in the spirit of uh, love and hope, uh, working with Network Delaware, working with Delaware DSA, and the people of Dover, Ty Greer. Hi, Ty. Hi, everyone. For having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to see you back. Uh, Carl's on the ones and twos tonight, uh, remotely. Carl has written a new piece in the Delaware Call titled Beyond the Super Voter. Um, we may or may not get his input about that tonight. We may talk about it some other night. But uh, Carl chronicles through his own experience uh, a fresh strategy for grassroots political success. I think people will be very interested in uh uh, what that is, because I think we're going to be applying it more and more. More and more people are saying we're going to apply it more and more. Like every two years, we're probably going to do it. So uh, be warned. So right off the top, national elections. Um, uh, uh, so this is uh, this is Thursday evening. Uh, whatever it is, it's like nineteen fifteen in the evening. Um, it looks like Biden is going to win a very decisive victory. Not not really. Um, do we know anything new in the last, like, three hours? There's a bunch of states that are still counting. Does anybody know? Like, it's just sort of whenever... I feel like people are kind of, um, a little trigger shy to call it because of all, everything that's going on. But I guess we won't have results for another couple of days. Maybe another day. We'll see. But, uh, as it sits now, it looks like a Biden a squeaker. Um... We lost a bunch of House seats on the left and Democrats. Um, unbelievably, an ex-Podesta group lobbyist named Jamie Harrison and Amy Top Gun McGrath, the fighter pilot, blew through like $200 million for nothing. Um, but Trump's gone. Trumpism remains. Um, the silver lining is that because everything is so kind of blah, People uh, maybe won't go back to brunch, so to speak, but who really knows? Um, so what, what's, your, what's your take, Ty? What, what do you take out of um, just the presidential thing? I don't talk about it very much, but I figure um, there was a lot there to sort of digest, especially over the next few days, about not just the result, but sort of the vote and, sort of, and how it went. Uh, what's, your, what's your takeaway as it sits right now? So my takeaway as it sits right now is that um, prior to the election, I felt like a lot of people felt like their vote didn't matter. Um, And they were disgruntled about the choices, X, Y, whatever. You know, they had all their reasons for not voting. Voting didn't matter. You know, lesser of two evils, X, Y, and Z. I feel like that this low, super slow count is really emphasizing how important every vote is. You know, because places where like Georgia, they always like I I'm still can't believe that Georgia is wasn't called for Trump. You know, it's like now people are starting to see like how important their vote was. So if we could just transfer this energy into local elections so that people could be this involved in what directly affects them. Like, I feel hope. I feel a lot of hope. I think that for once people are actually paying attention, they are actually seeing that their vote matters. They're actually seeing that there's, I mean, I don't think this is the first time that 
we always have problems with corruption around elections and people say ballots aren't counted and X, Y, and Z. This always happens. But nobody thought to do anything about it beforehand. You know, Trump did the don't mail in the ballots and all that other stuff or whatever. Then he's surprised we don't have, he doesn't have mail-in ballots. It's confusing to me. But I think in general, this election gave me a lot of hope. I'm excited. Even with the slow count, I'm excited. I think people are going to be activated. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I know that, you know, there was a lot of, you know, Bernie didn't win on a national level and some insurgent candidates didn't win. But at the state level, you know, we did pretty well. I know uh, Vasu worked on a a bunch of uh, a bunch of campaigns, Jess, uh, particularly. Um, what, what, What do you think? Do you think people are still energized and were enough victories won? And do people sort of see, um, I, I guess, let me ask a more specific question. It seems to me like at the national level, it's, um, there's really no substance at all. It's just on the internet, um, you know, Trump would say lunatic stuff and then Biden would be like, I feel, I know, I know. It's so bad. It'll be over soon. Don't worry about it. You know, we'll take our medicine together and that's it. That's nothing. That's like, no, there's no substance to that. Um, but there was a substance to a lot of the campaign work you were doing. And are people discouraged about it or are people invigorated about it as, as sort of Ty alluded to? And they're going to sort of stay into it and continue uh, the work. How do people feel like on on the campaign, the insurgency campaign side and and, and that sort of thing. I feel like it's too soon to tell. Um, just in my poli sci classes section today, people were talking about how they were scared that people would get complacent just because Joe Biden's won. The work is done. We don't have to do any more. But that is so very much not the case. Um, for a lot of folks, Joe Biden was not their preferred candidate, even if he is in a position to win. A lot of people voted for him begrudgingly. Um And that's all the more reason that we should keep working, keep working at the local level, like Ty said, Um, keep working at the state level. We have a chance to flip the Senate still with the Georgia runoffs. Um, And that is work that needs to be done. This is not the time to sit and expect change to just happen because we voted Trump out. Yeah, I mean, are the, do we know that both of the Georgia races are going to a runoff too? Ossoff is getting into a runoff too? Are we sure about that? Our, our statistician and fact checker, Carl's giving me the thumbs up, so I'm thinking it's yes. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, it's uh, sort of going back to that. So we'll have two runoffs in Georgia to make it 50-50 uh, with, with Harris breaking a tie. That's kind of perfect. It's kind of just the most stagnant, you know, nothing. You're, you'll get exactly what you were promised, which is Trump is gone. Or we're all going to kind of give everybody a big hug. Uncle Joe will give us all a eulogy and tell us like how he has internalized his pain and our pain together, but that's going to be it. And yeah, I just like, do I sound doom and gloom? <laughs> yeah, I, I just um, I, I I hope that uh, I hope that people sort of look at this result and pretty much stay the same place they are. Like I was thinking about you know back we're back where we started. Uh, we haven't we haven't really made any progress. We've we've stopped the bleeding, and there's still like tons and tons and tons of stuff to do. I definitely agree, agree with that. Um, I think that too. I'm hope. I'm sorry. You're gonna be. I'm I'm like hopeful. I think now is like a perfect opportunity to capitalize. Like now we need to push and say like you know for people who say oh Obama didn't do this or they didn't do that. He didn't have the support from the people. People voted and, and went home and went about their lives. You know what I mean? So now I think with Obama, people had more hope. With Biden, people don't have that same kind of hope. You know, they don't expect him to make major change. So now I think this is like the time to capitalize on getting people, telling them exactly, because I don't think they know. How do you make change? How do you get this stuff through to your legislators? How do you, you know, the things that you want, how do you do that? This is the time to teach these people this. This is the time to shove it down their throats because you don't trust Biden. So guess what? We need you to activate your people power and let's get this done. Don't give him a break. You know what I mean? Don't let him, all your fears, let's capitalize off of their fears. Oh, you think he's going to do this? You think he's going to do that? Well, let's prepare so that he doesn't have room to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be a certain person that once the results are finally tabulated in, you know, a few days to a week's time, 
uh, they'll say, well, you know, the final count was actually, uh, you know, huge turnout and uh, won the popular vote by maybe 10 million votes, say. Maybe. Um, and, and, and they'll say, oh, well, so, you know, you know, almost 300 electoral votes. And I just, we're going to hear that a lot. And that has to be immediately sort of quelled. Like, this is a... You know, this is a razor thin, barely anything with the promise of nothing. And so stay, stay motivated and stay like, stay activated into it. Um, so enough of the presidential race because it's incredibly, I think it's played out. Um, statewide, uh, it's really a tale of two tracks, I think. On one hand, um, for the big seats, um, we took out the trash. Um, you know, I'm not a real fan of the establishment Democrats, but, um, you know, Witsky, Big Murph, you know, all the lunatics were, you know, were, were shoveled out into the trash. Um, and in the General Assembly, there's a new game in town. You know, we were just talking about potential leadership changes, uh, which, you know, everybody's sort of waiting to see how that uh, rolls out. But I wanted to introduce somebody who just jumped on who uh, was part of a campaign who... Um, or the campaign that uh, elected Kyle Evans Gay uh, and unseated Kathy Clothier, Clothier, Strawbridge and Clothier, whatever the fuck her name is. Uh, Dylan Rosenthal from uh, UD uh, Dems and from uh, Kyle's campaign. Thanks for joining, man. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Yeah. So what was that like? How that must be a pretty good. Um, you, you guys must feel pretty good about yourselves flipping that uh, flipping that Senate seat. No, yeah, definitely. Um, we knew it was possible the whole time, obviously, looking at the demographics of the district. Within like the last four years or so, the Democratic advantage in that district has about doubled in terms of that registration advantage. Um, I think the biggest concern was because of COVID, um, you know, we were not knocking doors whatsoever. We were doing lit drops, but uh, we know that's not as effective as speaking to a person face-to-face. Um, and then there was just, you know, there was a lot of money being dumped into that race by dark money groups like um, Better Delaware. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, 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 we're on that case, yeah, you know, they were, for sure. They were even running TV ads for a state Senate race, which is hilarious in Delaware, if you ask me. But um, Yeah, and then, like, you know, there's that uh, generic vibe in Senate District 5 that Kathy's nice. And, you know, she she goes to events in the community and she sends birthday cards. So, like, do we want to vote someone out who we disagree with a good amount of the time? But, you know, she's nice to us. Um, so we had to like kind of handle those three different fronts from my view. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a common, it's a common theme. Um, I, I juxtapose it with, um, our friend, uh, Stephanie Barry, who, who lost her, uh, her challenge with Mike Ramone, uh, in Pike Creek, sort of the same way is it was a sort of an entrenched, Sort of centrist who came and ate a, ate a hamburger with you at the picnic, and you're like, "Oh, that person's fine," and so it's that's a that's a difficult um, that's a difficult dynamic to to address even at the doors, you know, even if you get a chance to talk to somebody. So yeah, what how how were what were some of the the things you heard? What were some of the arguments that worked? Um, how were you able to sort of break through that uh, sort of old fashioned Delaware way idea? Uh, and uh, and argue for something new. Yeah, so first of all, just to be clear, um, I was mainly um, helping out with fundraising. So, like, this is strictly my opinion, but um, what we focused on with messaging in this particular race really was the fact that, A, she was part of, you know, Republican leadership. Um, you know, she might vote with Democrats on, like, uh, certain social issues. Um, but at the end of the day, she's funding the campaigns of her fellow Republicans. 
she's silent when Lauren Witzke says something controversial or anti-Semitic. Um, and I think the other focus was simply that we deserve like an active senator. So I think the statistic is like Kathy hasn't passed a bill that she wrote, I think, in over five years. Um, so, you know, everyone says she's this balanced and effective legislator, but there are no results when you actually look into that record. Yeah, she was um, fairly typical, I would say, for some of the people we're looking to uh, we're looking to move out uh, and be I think active is a good way to put it. Um, just somebody who's a little more keen to um, to move some issues along rather than just kind of hold up the wall, I guess you would say. Um, but uh, in in any event, um, what do, do you guys have any feeling about some of the leadership changes we talked about? Uh, I don't know, like 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 uh, Carl, are you going to jump in, or is your is your gear? Uh, is your gear deficient? I mean, this is what I will sound like, and it's not the best, but it's not the worst. Okay. I mean, what's your... Do you, as you said, I mean, it's just basically sort of two camps. Um, you know, will the Senate be able to um, apply pressure to make a change against, you know, just uh, the status quo? I mean, that's just what we're looking at, right? It's just a, it's just a 1v1 at this point and it's going to be who has more sort of who has more votes that's it is that that's what's going to come down to well i don't want to say too much right now because one i don't want to give the impression that i know what's going on and two whatever i say i'll probably look like an idiot tomorrow uh because we're going to know by then but we don't know now uh but there's going to be some leadership changes one way or the other uh david mcbride lost his primary so he is out um and just the general quality of the Delaware Senate caucus is such that no matter who replaces him, they will almost certainly be better. Um, but it's a matter of can he be replaced as well as Nicole Poor, who was another big part of holding up the gun bills, um, generally slowing down progressive legislation in the Senate to help protect some of her more conservative colleagues. Um, and... A Senate leadership change that's going to actually help us pass progressive legislation will not be complete unless she is also removed from that position. Um, I think that if you look at the votes, and Delaware Liberal did a little breakdown on this, I believe that there are theoretically enough votes to change leadership. Um, because I think it's 14 senators now, 14 Democratic senators. Um, I think that was a number, yes. And I know just likely a lot of people among that group are tired of what's been going on. And I think that number could very well be enough to flip leadership. Uh, it's just a matter of do the exact coalitions and backroom deals and everything work out that way. So we'll see probably, uh, hell, maybe by the end of this recording session. We could break big news, maybe. Yeah, that that would be nice. Um, I I wanted to to uh, we you know I mentioned Stephanie Barry and and I also uh you know want to go back to Jess and and maybe get Vasu's sort of take on just being involved with something that's you know is a success but not a victory. Um, because I think. I think any movement needs to threaten a system as anywhere that it possibly can, and it has to be a real threat um, because next time we have to be able to threaten again and again, and it has to be we have to have some kind of energy behind it. And so, I guess I'll just tell you, and I said this to everybody who worked on Jess's campaign, but everybody who works on every campaign or does any kind of organizing, uh, you know, it's all one thing. Uh, and I'm so glad you guys went out there and did that, um, because people have to know that there are, there are people who will and continue to. Um, so thanks for that. And, um, what's your, what's your takeaway now that it's kind of, um, you know, everything's ramped down, 
you have some you had a couple days at least after the general election to sort of process it because I know you were doing other sort of volunteer work and stuff for for other people in general. Um, how do you feel about it? You're right. Um, that movement, what we built with Jess's campaign, was absolutely huge. It was big in our state, and I think it was really big for progressives in other states as well because so many of the folks from our campaign took what they learned here, um, took the skills they gained, the connections they built, the experience um, they had, and took it to other campaigns. They worked on Paula Jean's campaign. I was um, involved with that for a minute. Um, You know, progressive campaigns across the country. And we didn't see a lot of those high-level victories that we wanted in the general. And that's okay because we've shaken the establishment. Um, even with Jess's race, they poured millions of money and millions of dollars into this race um, because we were that big of a force. We were a force to be reckoned with. So in the future, they know um, this is what the people want. There are people out there who will fight for it. So we better shape up and make things actually happen for the working class and for the people of this country and of the state. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. I've talked about it with a few different people. Um, You know, Chris Coons did not want to have to spend $3 million in a primary challenge. Um, You know, that money, when you have money in the bank like that, you can, you know, you can move it around. You have a little bit of a war chest, so you can, you know, do stuff with caucuses and you, you have, you know, you can make moves. And I, I can tell you right now, I did not want to sp- uh, spend that money. Uh, he knew at the beginning that there was some energy on the side and he knew that's why he was salty. He was very salty. He struggled to cope. Even even knowing that that he probably had the, the, the final numbers, even even knowing that he had to spend that money and he struggled to cope. That's why he was so grumpy and, and wouldn't debate. Um, but again, these kind of things threaten, um, you know, threaten entrenched interests everywhere. And it kind of shows people that there's a different way when you speak to people's material interests rather than, you know, it's just this versus that because it's not, you know, that's sort that's fake. That's, that was the presidential sort of campaign that we were talking about before. Um, yeah, that's not going to work anymore. Uh, it's just so great. I mean, you guys had, I mean, you signed up so much. Uh, Ty uh, was, uh, we were talking about it when we were talking about standing up to DSA. You guys signed up so many volunteers. You had such a, uh, you know, you had a, you had a, a really well-staffed running operation. It was great. And and even during COVID, um, unlike, uh, you know, Kyle's campaign, which is a little bit different, we were, you guys were still able to sort of go door to door, masked up, trying to keep a distance, you know, trying to do particular protocols. But it was just a, it was such a success in just getting people involved. Yeah, and the cool thing about that is that now people have these skills. Um, I said that like for the general election, but also what we were saying before about demanding our current administration now or our future administration that's about to take office to continue to um, push for better policies for people. Um, a lot more people are aware now. Um, these campaigns have been huge in building awareness and, um, you know, <laughs> skills yeah. and things for people to be able to fight back against the establishment. Yeah. I mean, when when there's an apparatus, when there's energy, a p- pressure can be applied. I mean, I'm my my framing for the the new General Assembly in Dover is sort of like, um, okay, there's there's some new folks. It's a squad, you know, Medina, Larry, Eric, um, Marie Pinckney. <clears throat> but there are folks who've won huge victories. Kyle, Ray, um, Sarah McBride. There are people who have won some big victories and have shown like aspects of potentially being comrades and allies that need pressure applied. Tizzy, we see you. Mimi Brown, we see you too. And so now's the time. We were talking earlier, you know, um, uh, Brian Townsend, you know, has fairly decent ideas sometimes. So we see you guys. So now it's time to really ap- apply that pressure. And Ty, I know this is something that you uh, you will have fun doing um, with, with, the, with the energy and the, and the drive. 
Um, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your take on, on really applying the pressure come January? Um, I think that, like, so me personally, I think that we really, I'm trying to get people involved in being district advocates. So I want people to reach out to people, their people in their districts, you know what I mean, to harass them, you know what I mean, be in their face, tell them this is what we want, this is what the people want, you got our vote. This is what we're looking for, you know, have this legislation, like make people knowledgeable what's coming out. So make these people have to be accountable. So it can't be no more sitting the fence or like things that are happening behind closed doors, like people in their face, you know, this is what we want. Where, where do you stand on this? And make them have to be accountable so that they know that we're coming for them. You know what I mean? Either you do what the people are asking or we're coming from for you. I love it. I, I absolutely love that so much. Um, yeah, because uh, that's the only way, you know, I've talked to some other people just like, you know, our comrades who have a little more connection with um, with the party, let's say. And one of the things that they want to do is like just start holding people accountable for particular things. Like you can't just go out and do whatever you want to do. And just hide behind sort of a, you know, a status quo structure that nobody challenges, nobody threatens at all. So those days seem, seem over, which I'm very happy about. All right, so I, I want to move to some city stuff. And before I move to that, I don't know if people have opinions about this. I know Ties and Dover... People aren't really here, uh, but I have some opinions about the city, so I want to talk about it. But before I do that, I kind of want to tell a, a story. We were talking about Gonzo stuff before. So as some people know, we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, I'm a fan of Hunter Thompson. Uh, I was a, you know, a journalist, a drug enthusiast, amongst other things. Um, but he actually, after covering for Rolling Stone... Uh, the 68 uh, political campaigns and being at the Chicago uh, convention, he was radicalized and he was politically radicalized and he ran for sheriff uh, in in Aspen, Colorado, where he lived. Um, it was freak power in the Rockies. There's a famous um, poster of it. His, uh, his campaign button was a, a double-fisted uh, solidarity fist with a peyote button in the middle of it. But it's a pretty famous thing. They just made a documentary film about it, which I, I can't I can't wait to see. It will probably be our first, first film episode. But I think about this a lot because our boy in the city finally did it. James Spadola finally won a, a city council seat because he got the, the, the you know the, the pro forma Republican seat as at-large city council. Um, now, do you guys know the history of James Spadola? I know uh, Vasu and, and, and Dylan, you guys are pretty young. Um, Carl, would you, would you like to, would you like to, to document the, the, the history of James Spadola from, from hug a cop to, to um, Mike Castle, befriending Mike Castle, the octogenarian uh, corpse, um, to, to um, starting a podcast, to running habitually for every office known to man as a Republican, but as a centrist Republican. Um, I mean, how many offices? So he ran for auditor, and he was supposed to be installed by the last auditor, but that all fell apart, and then he, he didn't win. And then he ran for something before. Was it state senator rep before? So, um, yeah, I mean, you've basically covered the, the whole James Sudol story, leaving very little there for me to cover. Okay. But yeah, he's a you know ex cop, ex uh, army reserve guy. Um, or is he an ex cop? I don't know. Yeah, he was he the new his, cop, right? I know. I didn't even know he was in the reserves, and I'm not surprised. But... That. I, I'm currently reading off his Boutpedia uh, biography because I was just making sure he hadn't run for anything before the one I knew about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so James Spadola. Is everybody's favorite moderate Republican? Um, they were all killed off in 2010. There was some sort of max execution. I don't know exactly what happened, but they all disappeared after that. 
Um, but James Fadola just appeared out of nowhere in 2016 and said, I'm going to try to make this a thing again. Uh, so he ran for state Senate against um, Harris McDowell, um, who, as far as I can tell, didn't really campaign at all, but still won by 13 points. Uh, but James Fadola said, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to become friends with Mike Capitol. I'm going to have a thing about hugging cops. Uh, There's like a whole campaign thing he did, you know, hug a cop, hug a Republican, hug a, I don't know, WHA board member. Uh, so, he, yeah, he's been... That's, yeah. Well, that's on, the, he's on the WHA board. Yeah, so his goal after that was to become the, a board member of every nonprofit in Delaware. Uh, which he did fairly well, and I think he's on three or four different nonprofit boards, including the Wellington Housing Authority. Um, and was it after or before his 2018 run that he started the podcast? I think it was before. I think the sequence was he was a Newark cop. He did a he started hug a cop there, and it was like a viral video on Vine or something. I don't know. Back in the day, it's like 2014-15. Then he quit that on the back. On the back of the viral hug a cop energy, he ran for state senate against Harris McDowell because he was going to do he was going to be the new Bill Roth or whatever, whatever I don't know, but that didn't work. And then I think was the at that time the befriending of of his elderly great grandfather uh, Mike Castle. Then he started the podcast I think because Mike Castle was famously his first. Uh, I think maybe his only uh, guest. Is this and, one where he interviewed losers? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I've never heard one second of him. I just know that he did it. And then, and then he got in while, and then while he was trying to run all of these nonprofits, or not run them, but like be on the board of oh, these no, he interviewed winners. That was somebody else. Winners, yeah, <laughs> only winners. <laughs> um, he was he he somehow uh, was able to get himself in line to take over for the auditor in 2018 Wagner, who happened to be he he was one of those moderate Republicans. How did that happen? So he decided to run in 2018 because I guess he figured. Um, I don't know what he figured. I don't know what's going on in the guy's head. Because uh, if I was him, I would have switched my registration to Democrat in 2011, and then he'd be governor by now. But, yeah, he ran for auditor. Uh, there was some messiness in that race where uh, they successfully kneecapped the actual competent person who was running for office, Catherine Davies, uh, because Wagner had fired her as, like, deputy auditor uh, for mismanagement or something, and then was, like... She lost the primary to Kathy McGinnis, everybody's favorite um, uh, good Democrat. Uh, so she lost, and then I think Spadola wanted to run against her, or maybe he thought he could win against Kathy McGinnis because she's never won an election before. Uh, but the blue wave was too strong for James Spadola, and he still lost by 15 points. He was swept uh, away by the, he was swept away by a small blue wave. Yeah, and because yeah, that seat I believe had been Republican for decades. Uh, and yeah. he meant to flip the blue. Uh, so, you know, he kept going. He joined five or six more nonprofit boards just to build up his experience. And then in 2020, I think he finally realized we have to find a seat that is literally impossible to lose. And the perfect place to do that is the Wilmington uh, at-large minority seat, which is reserved for losers. So Correct. if you can't win the actual election... There's a seat that's reserved for the people that lose all the time. And so at that point, he found his calling. Um, Slipped right into so basically, he just round, became, round, round hole, round peg. Yeah, he he became every Democrat's third vote. Like uh, I was visiting my family in the Triangle, and every, every sign along Baynard Boulevard is Sarah McBride, Chris Coons, James Sedola. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he finally got that. He got the most uh, votes of any Republican in Wilmington since 2008, Mike Castle. Um, yes, his hero. I mean, it comes full circle. Yeah, and I mean, I've, I've dunked on this guy several times during this description. I've met him. He's a nice guy. Um, yeah. But that's, he actually, that's the thing. He famously, 
uh, he he famously attended uh, uh, Carl's father, the famous cellist and musician Larry Stomberg, uh, p- did during the early t- maybe a month or two into the quarantine, did a concert on his porch uh, for folks in the Triangle. We could all sit outside and uh, hang out and listen to the concert, and it was attended by one James Spadola. He yeah, he wrote a thank you note afterwards. Well, that's what he does. I mean, I... yeah. So I mean, he he's a hard worker. I'll give him that. Uh, but I, I do not see the reason why he insists on being a Delaware Republican when he's so clearly a Delaware Democrat. Well, again, this is why this I've had that conversation with other with other people, and I, I can't figure it out. But here's my here's the big announcement, folks. I'm so uh, glad everyone's here. I can get you know your guys's initial reaction to it. So I think you guys are familiar with uh, Working Families Party. Uh, Vanessa Clifford is a friend of mine, um, and uh, last cycle in Philadelphia, they have the same thing on their city council. They have a, a op- opposition seat, and so Working Families Party decided we're going to actually run somebody on a Working Families ticket to get – so it'll be a bunch of Democrats, and rather than a bunch of Democrats and a Republican, it's a bunch of Democrats and a Working Families leftist socialist, and they won. Her name's Kendra Brooks. I got to meet her and interview her at one of Kobe's events at the Wilmington Brew Works. Huge. She's a superstar. I am going to run for the Wilmington City Council as a working families party. Totally gonzo. Uh, legalize all drugs. Uh, free, free housing for every homeless person. Uh, now, the problem is I don't know if Vanessa is going to approve this platform. Uh, I, that's, she probably will not. Um, I don't know whether I'm able to give my stump speech while on mushrooms. I feel like I should be able to do that. Um, I mean, I'm, that may besmirch the, the reputation of Working Families Party, but Working Families Party also endorsed Elizabeth Warren. So in my view, they've already besmirched their, their reputation. So I, this is, I, I think I should be able to do this. Now, Oregon just voted to decriminalize all drugs. So Yeah, they did. The the Tom- Thompson said, I don't I don't recommend hard drugs. I'm just telling you they've always worked for me. Ty, your reaction. Is this some is this a campaign that I we could p- potentially get you to work on and volunteer for, say? Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely. Dil- Dylan, is this the kind of campaign you're saying I can raise money? This is a campaign we can do targeted uh ads on uh like TikTok or something. And we can raise money. Is this something you think you can raise money for? Um, I'll just say this. I, I hope Chris Kenny doesn't come after you with any TV. Dude, I will fucking take that Chris Kenny money. <laughs> I mean, what I'm going to do with it, he probably wouldn't appreciate, but I would take it. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to make an approach for Chris Kenny to to run a, uh, a gonzo freak power campaign... Uh, I would love that because I because now that I'm yes, and now that I'm explaining sort of my my strategy, I realize that um, Vanessa's not probably I'm probably going to have to. Although I'll do the same stuff, I will probably have to rework the pitch for Vanessa. Yeah, so maybe we should just cut all this out. I have to rework it. I see. This is why I'm I'm sort of workshopping it with you guys to see if you know what I could change. Uh, because yeah, now that I say it out loud, I'm not sure this is going to fly with with her at all. Now, I feel like Vasu will, would 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 jump on board though. You'd be making calls, you'd be phone banking, you'd be volunteering, getting people phone bank the shit out of it. Oh yeah, no, throw something about like environmental justice on there, and yes, I love. I'm in for that. I mean, that was a, that was one of Thompson's big things uh, because he lived he lived out. He was a very weird guy. I don't know if, you know, younger people I don't think are very very familiar with him, but he covered politics from Rolling Stone, but he also wrote, like, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and the Hell's Angels book, and he wrote a very famous political book. Well, it's, it's like a, um, it was an aggregation of a lot of essays he wrote for uh, Rolling Stone in 72 called Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail, so he covered the Democratic primary process in 72. Um but yeah, he was also like a, uh, you know, he was not, he was, uh, you know, he was a sick individual, uh, as you know, some of us go a little sick to one side or the other. 
Um, but yeah, his he he lived out uh, in a place called Woody Creek, outside of Aspen, and he was a big like keep the keep the open space, you know, down with corporations. Um, I think we can sell this now. See now, I'm, I'm like that we're tailoring this now to more like that something like somebody like Carl would be like, this is something we can use. We can do this. So Carl, how are we gonna? What what voters are we gonna target when we when we when we, when we pick our universes? When we decide what our universes are within the city, um, and this is a a reference to Carl's um, uh, essay in, in in Delaware Call about sort of changing your strategy and, and figuring out the universes you're going to target. I I uh, think everybody should go read that. Uh, but so Carl, what are our universes right now? How are we going to identify them for this this run, this insurgent run? We target everyone. Every I, I love it. Yeah, for everybody. Organize everyone. Exactly. You know, it started out as a joke. I might do this now. Well, you... I don't know. You didn't do it this year. Even though we were trying to get you to do it. Well, you guys all left me and ran, like, actual campaigns and won. <laughs> I don't know if we ever like, officially... I don't know, like... Did we ever officially talk about on the podcast about the Mike Suzuki race? I don't know. I'll tell you guys. So, well, that's a good question. So, Ty, uh, you you live in Dover. Vasu, are, are you are you on campus or are you home now? During this, you're home. Oh, so you are in Wilmington. Okay, um, Dylan, where do you, are you in Newark or Wilmington? I'm in Newark. No, and you're in Newark. So, you guys might not have heard this uh, sort of story. You might not follow. You might not have followed the podcast. But I think we might have mentioned it one time. I was going to run um, against Przicki because nobody was running. We didn't really have anybody, you know, had to use our resources as we would as we do. Uh, but I was going to change my name to Mike Przicki, but flip flop the I and the Y, so it would be the y, it would be the 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 I and then the Y, uh, and, and uh, yeah, and I was going to utilize like Carl and like Carl's and. and uh, Kirsten were going to be my campaign managers, and I was going to run a Gonzo uh, like insurgency campaign against Przicki as Przicki, as the real Mike Przicki. <laughs> See, I mean, we got we have tons of these ideas. Mm. See, Ty, Ty feels it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, one of these days we're going to do one, and I'm going to end up like Jesse Ventura, the governor of the fucking state. Hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> I was just, I'd make Vasu my uh, my press secretary. I'd be like, just go out, you tell him something. And then you'd have to just think, just tell him anything. Tell him a story. It's fine. Yeah, Vasu totally. got it. Nice. I'm just, I, I, I'm just glad all you guys are still, uh, so do you have, um, I'm trying to, th- so you did vote in the Wilmington uh, election, and do you vote in the Wilmington election? I know you, well, you, uh, Ty doesn't and Dylan doesn't. But and I know Carl does because I know how he voted. But um, uh, Vasu, did you vote in the Wilmington election? I'm not in the city, city. So. Oh, that's right. I think we. I think I knew that. I couldn't. Rem- I don't. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm actually in Senate District Five. I got to vote for Kyle. I didn't say that earlier, but that was oh, kind of nice. Cool. Ah, very good. That's 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 always nice. Yeah, because actually, in the city, once the primary's over, we don't really get to vote for anybody good. I mean, Sarah McBride is my state senator now, uh, and I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, but I actually, and you know, she she knows this. I, I've told her this privately. You know, she's certainly not in the squad. You didn't hear me say her name in the squad. Um, I think she's a transformational figure, and she's going to be a big part of this general assembly. Uh, I think she understands exactly where she stands, and so we'll see. You know, we'll see what kind of decisions she makes and and, and what a, and what actions she takes. Um, but yeah, she's somebody who um, I think is going to be one of those key people that everything kind of hinges upon because we have a we have an insurgent group who are going to agitate. We have an entrenched group that include people who were entrenched for political reasons and people who were entrenched for. I don't know. Like Paul Bombach. He's my buddy. I love that guy. Um, I hope he feels like he's going to jump on this team. Do you know what I mean? Um, there's, there, those are these people who, you know, they can be heroes. 
Paul, you can be a hero. <laughs> Just do it, buddy. Um, yeah, so we had to think about it. that. Was I think that was the only once we got to the 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 general election, the only person that I even I was like, oh, I got to vote for Sarah. That's that's fun, I guess. But other than that, we have no one. I wrote in Jamie Rubin for governor. <laughs> I did James R. Rubin. I used his full name. I put James R. Rubin for governor, and I voted. Uh, oh, for the Newcastle County Council President. I voted for Raul Duke, which was uh, Hunter S. Thompson's character from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah, so I wrote. But uh, apparently, he got one vote. He got my vote. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing like it's just because of the situation. You know, most of the votes are either like out of spite or just for fun. You know, just write in your friend's name. Uh, once the primary is over, we have nothing. We have nothing to look forward to. So, uh, Dylan, what, where did you, so what, what district are you in, in, in Newark? Who did you, uh, who's your, who's your people down there? So I actually recently just learned that, um, when I was helping out Jess pre COVID that, um, one of the doors I knocked on on my street is my state representative. My uh, neighbor is John Kowalko. So you live in Windy Hills? Yes. Ah, I lived there. I lived there like 10 years. I live in the same neighborhood. Nice. And I I believe it's Sokola for state senate here. Um, Nice. Yes. I I remember the only other time I voted uh, absentee before now, I hope, you know, now it's going to be a thing, which is great. Um, I was actually away on a business trip, so I had to vote, at, and I and I, you know, it was kind of like a hassle. I had to go in to like the the uh, the state building to the Department of Elections, and like I think I had to fill it out there and give and sign the affidavit that I was going to be out of town or something. It was a very very weird process, but I went through it all just to vote for Kowalko. It was the first time, uh, and I remember I remember calling my ex wife from Las Vegas. I mean, like, did Kowalko win? And she, and yeah, it was it was cool. I remember voting for him the first time. Um, Kowalko is a different; uh, he's a different uh, breed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have, you got, have you guys all met him? I did. Uh, you haven't met Vasu hasn't met him. I, he yeah, he, yeah, he's a, he's an interesting character. Yeah, he was on one of the town halls, so okay. I did get to meet him. <laughs> one of the Jess campaign, yes. Mm-hmm. How would you how would you explain him if you had to explain him to 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 Vasu? Um. Oh, I'm on the spot now. How would I explain him? Talkative. I, I, I think he's very like focused. Yeah, he. Um, so uh, he's a he's an older guy. He's a, he's an older white guy, but he's like um, he's like a he's a he's a union guy. Um, you know he he was uh, when we went. To, I'm trying to think the last time I saw him in person because of COVID, we went and uh, sort of protested some sort of count, a meeting or like hearing about bringing the Amazon warehouse to the old Boxwood Road GM site. And uh, Kowalka was there, and he he took his he he was the first to speak, and he we, we all we all uh, gave him gave him our time, and he gave him a he gave him an earful. Um, so yeah, he's like an old he's like an old lefty like just wants to fight everybody. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I think I think when I think because I interviewed him here in the studio last year, and I think I called him my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, he's he's really he's really great, and I'm glad his. I mean, he's he's championed a lot of um, like progressive and leftist issues. Um, again, he hasn't had any. He's been he's sort of like a Bernie figure in that way, where uh, now Bernie sort of knows how to use his political power, and maybe you know John doesn't so much, but he's he's himself. He has to be himself. Um, but one of the big things he's always championed that hasn't gone anywhere that I really hope goes somewhere is just a, a modest sort of readjustment to the to the income tax. Um, right now the. the our income tax brackets max out at sixty grand a year. Um, so whether you make you know sixty five thousand dollars or four hundred and sixty five thousand dollars, you pay the same rate of income tax, which is 
nonsense, um, obviously. But you know, Kowalka sort of presents it in the in the in the well of the House of Representatives the way I do on this podcast, and nobody it's not well received when you just call people a bunch of greedy pigs. Um, but that's I mean, it's just speaking. Where's the lie though? So that's the kind of guy Kowalko is. Um, yeah, he's he's sort of a. It's it's kind of weird to call Bernie polished, <laughs> like but but yeah, Bernie Bernie is a more polished version of of Kowalko, I think. Would you would you agree with that, Carl? You know, I'm pretty pretty okay. Yeah, I actually ran into him uh, on Tuesday because I was at Glasgow High School from Adena. And oh, nice. I just I'm sitting there, you know, watching people come by, and then there comes, you know. John Kowalko ambling by uh, with a piece of paper, looking very distressed. Um, and yeah, he's, <laughs> all all day, he's, every day, all day, banging a piece of paper, pissed off. Yeah, so he was because he didn't have an election this year uh, in 2018. He was running against Brian Rash, and all the party people were super freaked out that he was about to lose that seat, and then he wins by 30 points. That's a, another story yeah, for another day. Blow um, <laughs> yeah, so he didn't have a race this year, but he still wanted to buy food for all the poll workers in the 25th district. So he was coming oh. by because Glasgow shares the 26th and the 25th. So, yeah, I would say that's a good description of him. So, what, what do you got? I mean, do you guys think we're going to get a uh, going to get a result here today? Uh, what, what's what's the call? Are, are we getting, do we know? Do we even care? Do you guys, here, this is a question for uh, Vasu. I want to know. Do you even do you care about this presidential result? Are you on like pins and needles? Are you are you following it sort of casually? Or do you just wish it was over uh, and you don't really have that much invested in it? Like, what is your where where are you at on the spectrum? I keep flip flopping back and forth. Sometimes I'm like. Everything is contingent on this, but that's so clearly not the case. And at this point, it's so, um, so certain that I don't really care anymore what happens in the next couple hours um, or the next couple days. Who knows how long? But also having like that definitiveness would be helpful. A lot of folks, like in my classes and in my friend groups, um, are pretty stressed out, reasonably so. Um, just everything being so hinged on Georgia and Nevada. Um, that's really scary for a lot of folks because most of the time we don't really care what those states are up to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, bottom line, just certainty would be nice. But not much will really change. Yeah, no, I, I think that's about where I'm at. Like, I'm, I, I guess maybe I've too, because of my relative indifference we'll say i've sort of like okay well it looks like biden's gonna win that's good like i you know i certainly i think everybody people who don't even follow politics or people who follow it a lot and and are very you know cynical leftist people whatever just want like enough enough is enough you know like adolf reed said sometimes you got to scrub the toilet throw the trash out like we did with some of the some of the folks here in, in statewide races in delaware and so, yeah, I would like to just be, just have that done with so we can move on to other things. You know, let, like just have a definitive answer and then we can just kind of kind of move on to bigger things and things we really need to do. Yeah. It was definitely interesting um, seeing like younger folks show up for Biden, um, especially since I could not get them to show up for Jess, which really sucked. But um at least there is someone out there who is getting these people involved. And well, hopefully th- that momentum continues. Yeah, I mean, is that do do, do you do we feel like that the I mean, what, however we define sort of the youth vote. Um, I mean, obviously, not only did I mean the, the participation was way up. Um, I don't really know what to say about that because as the as the stakes become more disconnected from people's lives. The participation actually goes up. Now, again, it doesn't mean politics have to be disconnected from your life. Actually, we're trying to convince people that they aren't. But in this particular case, Biden, Trump, for most people, it's abstract. It's just part of the ether. It's just on the internet. Um, 
I don't think people it doesn't connect with a lot of people and so it's funny that as that as we get further and further away from the big national you know 150 million people come out and vote thing as we get further and further away from material interests the number of people who are sort of interested go up which I find I don't really actually know what to make of it, but it, it is strange. I mean, do we? It, was there a big youth vote? Can we point to it and say in Delaware or in, in, in the country? You know, uh, uh, under what do we even call it? Under thirty, under thirty-five went up or something. But I guess I guess maybe every dot demographic went up because the the participation was so high. I don't know. I mean, I I, I hope it is um, it is hopeful to use Ty's word that if we can. Now the participation is up if we can then tap into that but but somehow make that connection, make the real connection rather than, you know, it's just sort of more abstract. That's the I guess that's the trick. So if you guys can go fi- if you guys can go figure that out and get back to me next week, we'll start working on that immediately. <laughs> yeah. That 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 part's gonna be a little bit trickier because I think that people I blame a lot of it on social media. I think people like to be part of things that they don't have to be accountable for. So when you're going out to vote for the president and stuff, you're like, oh, I get a little sticker and I can say I vote X, Y, and Z. I've done my part. But when you're talking about doing something like tangible on a regular basis, phone banking, knocking doors, lit dropping, canvassing, see, you're actually asking them to commit, (laughs) you know what I mean, and do something that has a tangible effect. You know, people in Delaware, when you vote, we knew Biden was going to get Delaware. We knew this. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a formality. So you can stay on Facebook or, you know, Twitter and you can go back and forth and have all these opinions. And then you just push a button and went back home. They're getting those same people to phone bank. No, they're not doing it. You know what I mean? They're not knocking doors. They're not going to share stuff. They're not going to do a tweet storm or do reach, you know? So I think that um, that's going to be our biggest thing is like, I'm hopeful that people are going to be more active, but I'm kind of torn between if Trump wins, we have a better chance of people remaining more active than if Biden does. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of like, either way, it's going to be uphill battle for us. But I still got hope. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of how I kicked it off. Maybe that's how we'll sort of leave it because my, I, I guess I'm trying to split the difference. You know, I'm trying to. You, you know, get rid of Trump, but get rid of him in such a such a, a, an embarrassingly slim, sort of unsatisfying way. You know, it takes a course of you know several days to count the vote, and there's all this other stuff that maybe that will. There, there's no finality to that, which there would have never been anyway. But the more the more you can make the argument that that really wasn't shit. Like he just went out, like as you said, you know, you 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 did the thing. You've been on in the internet in Delaware, and now you did the thing where you pushed the button or filled in the the little bubble, uh, whatever. I mean, yeah, great, but that didn't actually do anything. Like nobody's real excited. There's no fireworks going off downtown because you know three days from now CNN will declare him the victor in Nevada, 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 whatever it is. yeah, like there's going to be no. Yeah, thank you. Um, there's going to be no. Um, you know, there's there's, there's going to be no celebrations. And again, this is what you were promised. Nothing. Right. So, so that should that should sh- that should be the opening. So now you're here. You had to do this thing that kind of felt weird, and you know it doesn't really. That's eh, whatever it is. But you did it. Now, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do it? For for something rather than nothing, hmm. something tangible that affects you daily. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's the trick. Like I said, if you guys can maybe if you can meet maybe forty five minutes tomorrow and bang it out, let us know, and we'll just go out and, and we'll just implement the plan. All right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Ty Vasu, thank you. Um, Dylan had to drop uh, about ten minutes ago. But thank him too. Uh, thank him especially for uh, helping uh, flip a seat there. Uh, but everybody, thank you guys. I just I love the um, I love the energy. Everybody's still in it. We still have stuff going on. Um, you know, 
the work doesn't stop. We gotta we gotta figure it out. Just what we were talking about at the end. We need to figure out how to tie people together, how to get them involved. You know, how to just go out and meet people. Um, I'm t- we're a lot of stuffs going on behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, everybody stay engaged. Everybody stay excited. Stay hopeful, or else we'll sick tie on you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we did it. We're back where we started. Now we can start again. Uh, Vasu, Ty, uh, thanks, everybody. Thanks for having us. Of course, it was great seeing you. Uh, Everyone, we'll talk to you very soon. Left is best. Woohoo!